It's This Week in Sleaze with your hosts, the great lord Joshua Regal and Sleazy K. This podcast has been rated Category 3. No one under 18 may be permitted. Let's talk some stage reality fucking! What does that mean? Well, behind in particular the mangled English title of the first movie lies a rare excursion within the Category 3 rating into mockumentary territory. This is not Spinal Tap though, so don't get your hopes up. <laughs> With hosts Charlie Cho and James Wong for each respective film, we take a mostly staged deep look into Hong Kong sex life in a move not corresponding to any trend within the category 3 rating. These are very much a unique movies there, and I think there's essentially only two of them. But uh, hence it's all a good opportunity for us to provide the quite unique, uh, you know, good or bad coverage of these two movies called the Jiggly Revelation. It's supposed to be Jiggly Revolution, obviously, but we're going with Jiggly Revelation because it's on the print of the movie. And the other one is called Key to Fortune. And I'm Slicer K, and uh, I've got a camera in a bag aimed at Joshua to catch any dirty deeds being done while recording, so say hello. You'll never catch me, Ken. I'm too good for you. I've hidden it in a hat I sent to your house uh, after, um, <laughs> as a congratulation for, for becoming a nurse. Like, you, you remember the sombrero I sent you a, a while back? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There it is. There it is. <laughs> it's been on for weeks. <laughs> oh, man. I've been wearing it, doing everything. Yep. Everything. It's been a show, all right. <laughs> You've got a live feed from it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing commentary on it, like, uh, like these uh, let's play people. Okay, so here's Josh. He's Sleazy K, bro. <laughs> I just watched that South Park episode with the whole let's play thing, and where, where Cartman became Cartman, bro. It was it had to be like it. What was it? Uh, oh, uh, your Swedish brother, uh, PewDiePie. Right. Don't get me started. I mean, okay, let, let me just say this without going on a rant. Clearly, I'm not the audience for it because I don't get this. I don't get the lasting appeal of it, you know. But I heard he's doing well with his money in terms of giving it to charity. That's good. People are being ha- becoming happy while watching him. That's good. And hopefully not fighting too much in the comments. And I, but, but I don't get it, Joshua. I'm too old for it. I've been known to watch a good Let's Play, you know, every now and then. Mostly of older games and stuff like that. The notion of Let's Play, there's nothing wrong with that, but I, I just, I don't get him like, rah, 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 I'm being raped, oh, he, I'm being raped. Rah. Yeah, he's he's way too much, yeah. Like, I'll, a lot of those guys sit there and, like, uh, copy that same formula, too, of, like, like, just, you could watch the beginning, middle, and end of any of his, like, videos or whatever. Hey, and then like he screams a bunch in the middle and then ends with the same lines about like bros doing bro fists and stuff yeah it's 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 um yeah it's not for me but uh again i won't judge because it's it's um it's what it is i mean it's uh, clearly doing something for a kind of demographic i'm just not it i'm just not his it. his audience is generally like eight-year-olds and stuff like that so Oh, good rape jokes for eight-year-olds. That's good. <laughs> I think I think he's toned down the vulgarity in recent years, but he used to uh, do like these was it Happy Wheels or whatever videos and stuff like that, and he swore like a lot in those. And I think that uh, 
was like a, a primary reason people watched his videos, just vulgarity, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm not uh, above childish humor or anything, but I just, oh, yeah. I, I just didn't get the vibe from that. Uh, but uh, again, it, it's clear there's clearly something going on there because you don't get invited to the big time talk shows by being this sort of vulgar prick. You know, mm-hmm. there's clearly something there which half fascinates me. Yeah, he's a nice guy. He's not like a a bad guy or anything like that. Like, he seems like a really genuine person, and you know, it's kind of hard to hate him because of that. Mm-hmm. But his character is a, a wee bit annoying. Not like if you remember the early uh, internet like character Fred or whatever. Not quite that bad, but he's it's pretty annoying. Well, well, well. Um, I don't know how we got onto that, but uh, there we are. <laughs> so, the jiggly, jiggly revelation and key to fortune it is. Staged mockumentaries about life as a gigolo and sex life in Hong Kong in general. Like, uh, hands up if you've heard of that before. And uh, the, it's a unique uh, contribution to the category free genre. Is it any good or not? Well, uh, we're here to tell you that in a short bit. But in the meantime, this is contact information. And this is the show. This week in Sleaze on the Podcast on Fire Network. We are on podcastonfire.com. Email us if you know any gigolos. If you are a gigolo, we would love to hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is, what's it like? We, we could change this to the Jiggly cast, you know? This week in Jiggly. This week in Jiggly. <laughs> So uh, if you have any feedback or questions or whatever, uh, email us, podcastonfire at googlemail.com. On the site I just mentioned, we have handy buttons leading to our social media, our Facebook, which uh, in turn can lead you to our Facebook discussion group, our Twitter handle, uh, and also to our iTunes feed. Uh, So subscribe and rate and even comment on it if you are an iTunes user. We would very much appreciate that. And on Stitcher Radio, you can stream us as well. If you click the button, it leads you to our Stitcher presence, and they also have applications on the Apple App Store and Google Play. I review, among other things, these jiggly movies at SoGoodReviews.com with lecturers, man, telling you what it's like being a jiggler in Hong Kong. Those are the kind of movies I review. And it's SoGoodReviews.com and my video hub is LizzyKVideo.com and my Twitter handle is at SoGoodReviews. Shelf Life Clothing. I think it's a damn shame there's no jiggly or Gigolo t-shirt over there, but uh, maybe he'll get with the times soon enough, you know. <laughs> the kids are just begging for it these days, you know. Yeah, I mean, so it's going to go viral, There's... like the Caucasians t-shirt, I'm sure. Like, it's, does that say Jiggly? Like, does it mean Jiggly? Is it, is it a Will Smith t-shirt? No. It's a Charlie Cho and James Wong t-shirt. Old man. There's, you know, there's two things the kids are clamoring for these days. PewDiePie and Jiggly. Yeah, we're we're uh, we're creating something, a movement here. Absolutely. So there is <laughs> shelf life clothing at any rate. Buy Brian Kerwitz t-shirts because he's been so kind to help out this show with the theme music and whatnot, and he's a damn nice guy as well. Occasionally, Joshua in between work as a registered nurse. Uh, it's, it's, it's happened. Yeah, booyah, you did. And uh, congratulations to that. So, but in between work, you have uh, lots of fun watching old or new Let's Plays, uh, wrestling or boxing or whatever the thing was yesterday that was a hot, a hot topic. What was it? Was it was a wrestling? or boxing mixed martial arts oh kind of in between <laughs> okay okay yeah. you see um, it's not my world but in between doing all of that and having fun and working you do a podcast every now and again and what's that called ah the trashy trio with uh myself and my co-host wendy and we cover a lot of uh you know similar movies to what we cover on here just from all over the world and uh it's generally a good time 
You can find it by Googling it, you lazy bastard. Or finding uh, the link in our show post, of course. Uh, I set you up with um, a newer German splatter movie. Uh, which uh, sort of uh, an Olaf Ittenbach movie? Is that too good for the Trashy Trio when it's actually well made? Do you do do you want to back your German splatter on a podcast or does like skilled technical gore from one of your favorite gore masters out of Germany? Does that is that good material for the show? See, I don't know. Like I, I know I plan on watching it, you know, but uh, whether or not I would subject uh, Wendy to it or not, that's another question. He he does cut a cock in half slowly on screen in that movie. It's called No Reason. I've seen it, uh, but it's damn fine, fine effects, man. I know Wendy would be down for that. You know, something I think she discuss like. the social implications of this cut, uh, cock cutting. Hmm. You know, like you do yeah, in this sure. uh, highfalutin way, like wah wah wah. Yeah, it's all it's all good. I, I, hope, uh, I hope you get a chance to watch it because uh, I thought of you when I got it. And uh, hey. You should like this. Like, like this is miles ahead of any backyard uh, zombie zombie splatter or anything. <laughs> uh-huh. We'll get out of the uh, that fun, out of, in the contact information, get into some jiggly fun after the musical break. So sit tight and we'll be back. And welcome back, and uh, we'll have a little bit of a rundown of what's to come here. Uh, we have a few sections, uh, even though they're not uh, plenty in volume, but I, I thought I'd quickly break down what's uh, coming up, and if you want to jump ahead to any section, follow the times in the show post, uh, and those times should appear in your podcast application as well. So first half is dedicated to discussing the Jiggly Revelation. There will be a break after that, and uh, once once that is concluded, we focus on Key to Fortune, where we first talk of... Uh, host and multimedia man James Wong before finishing off with the movie review or the documentary review of uh, Key Key to Fortune. So uh, there it is. But let's move on to the Jiggly, or what's supposed to be obviously the Jiggly revelation. But I'm one of those immature bastards that if it says something on the title on the title card, I'm going with that. So, no, Absolutely. So it's, and it's funnier too. It's the idea. It's like, uh, welcome <laughs> to the Jiggly, Jiggly revelation. From 1993, and the plot, so to say, from my review of the film, Charlie Cho and Lily Lee appear in sync sound before us as the MCs of the piece, speaking of the great city of Hong Kong, but the su- too soon switches focus to the world of gigolos that can be found all over the great place. In staged documentary fashion, the filmmakers go undercover to track the evening of one such gigolo, interview anonymous men from the field while revealing the ups, which is attractive women, and the downs, which is ugly women, of this possibly <laughs> prosperous line of work. And as for my quick opinion of the film, it's a difficult damn film to review because the style is is not feature feature movie style, it's mockumentary style. It all feels rather mild. I mean, some sections are fairly professionally made utilizing the faked documentary style. But that raw, faked nature, you know, I'd wish would have gone on for longer. They sort of drop it and then feature reenactments of thing, And it seems like they ran out of 
juice to produce this uh, sort of fake this time. But uh, that's my short opinion for now. What do you want to say about the Jiggly revelation? Like you said, I think, it, but it goes for both movies we're talking about this week. It's uh, they're difficult films to sit there and really discuss and you know, quote unquote, review. You know, because they both have followed very similar formats. It's almost like watching, you know. Entertainment Tonight or something like that, one of those programs where like they have uh, you know, a male and female anchor and the you know, the two of them talk about something going on in the real world and they cut the clips. That's basically what you're dealing with, you know. Yeah, you know, I don't know, I guess I don't want to spoil it too much, but uh, Jiggly Revelation uh, does not do a very good job of uh presenting their real world, you know, situations as actually being from the real world. It, it's not very convincing. Mm-hmm. So I guess that makes it weak, uh, which is a key thing to 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 discuss. Indeed, in this is this mm-hmm. convincing at all? So we'll stop you right there and get into it. I enjoy little things like uh, that. This is made by Max Joy Film Production. All right, Max Joy, not Maximum Joy, but Max Joy, who could be a guy, <laughs> or it's just about like uh, we're a film production that provides Max Joy. Yeah, in the 80s and early 90s, everything was to the max, you know? It's amazing how that shit's fallen off so crazily. I think these, uh, that production company probably d- didn't do anything else. It's one of those things like uh, no. one, they crop up, they they disappear, and a new one crops up. Once the joy's been brought to its max, Ken, I mean, where, where do you really go? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's it's been done. They didn't go out as winners, though. That's the problem, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, Come on. But uh, one uh, wonderful uh, appearance is not only Charlie Joe in the flesh, but uh, Sync Sound Charlie. We get to hear his actual voice for the first time in movies, normally dubbed. And uh, not that he's like, oh my god, he's sexy. <laughs> you know what? Well, hello, big boy. It's, it's his voice. I mean, it's a voice. It's a guy. You know? And they're talking of entertainment fields that women go <laughs> go into, like PR girls, you know, gigolos. And PR girls, you know, is an example of they always dress up the sex industry in other names because PR girls are often their name for hostesses and things like that, um, you know. So they, they, they start to rattle that off. And one aspect that I enjoy, which is actually quite horrible, is that Charlie's condescending as a host. Really condescending. Uh, Lily Lee appears in one, you know, on screen there. Oh, uh, well, uh, we have something to show you. No, no, no. You won't show them. I will show them. You know, cut the clips. So he's always there to sort of hog the frame. Yeah, he does. It sort of plays to his character, I suppose. Not that he's a lecherous man or anything. You know, he looks like Charlie always does. You know, in a you know dashing suit and stuff like that. But he is really just sort of, sort of like, hey, me, me, me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh, frame frame me only. Like, uh, could you step back one? Yeah, that'll be good. Cameraman, sue me, not me. He would have done that. I think. Like when he uh, there's a sequence where he you know quote unquote interviews a gigolo. He sits next to him, and the camera does this really you know cheap way of like hiding the guy's face by like just blacking out the other side of the screen yeah yeah while he's doing that you know he's speaking to the guy and the guy's not describing like the fantastic and you know amazing lifestyle that basically charlie has presented on the screen so so charlie just like is obviously disinterested in his story (laughs) and kind of like you know interjects things like 
oh yeah, so you know, so you fucked it up then, basically, right? Like he just like basically keeps like insinuating that this guy's a piece of shit, like he's a terrible gigolo. <laughs> you know, how weird was that? It's such a weird. It's uh, it's either I don't know how freely they were, you know, allowed to your presenter questions if this was tightly scripted or not it's not a very tight like illusion or faked thesis or anything so uh, you you wonder but uh, you're you're very right Uh, but uh, I think one of the few aspects is the initial um, man and woman on the street interviews where they ask like do you know about gigolos you know and uh, you know all dudes know about uh, gigolos of course like yep yep or in movies I mean (laughs) essentially they're they're saying underneath their breath and if they found a guy find a guy dressed in suits and glasses they so know about gigolos and they go into a hostess (laughs) clubs and what have you because in reality it's part of business relationships uh, you know when you celebrate deals or are trying to you know lubricate your uh, possible client i think that is sort of uh, part of like le- let's take this guy or out for drinks and it's usually a hostess club so at least were when they were more widespread in hong kong than they possibly are now so i mean i've heard that i mean from from people i've talked to that uh you know we're gonna take you out for prostitutes now and it's difficult sort of to say no because then you don't give them face because they're they're very generous so so, so i think it's a sort of um that is one of the few real sections where they interview actual real people or what do you think no yeah i think most of that's real i think a, a couple of the characters that pop up during that are not real though you know like there's uh there's like an older man that they interview and ask him would you ever be a, a gigolo? And he's like, you know, he just goes way over the top. I'm, I'm an old man. What? Who would ever want to be with me? Oh, you're so stupid. Ah, and like, you know, <laughs> storms off or whatever. You know, that's very, you know, typical of this movie, I think. It's a solid illusion initially with a couple of sequences, you know, they, they add to the, the the faked reality by blacking out, you know, names on right. signs then they, that they pass and they are walking with the camera and there are lots of handheld shots and you see the yeah. crew sitting up, setting up the hidden cameras and what have you. And that, that, that's, that is decently enough as made, but it doesn't, you know, progress into this like cohesive tone and um message or what have you it seems rather let's just string together some stuff that people might think is real you know it, 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 I agree. You, you know you can't sort of think like oh that's the theme they were going for because they're, they're not documentarians necessarily they're mm-hmm. they're they're exploiting the category free genre in a more difficult way mind you because this is not commercial <laughs> you know it's not it, it's it's fake documentary that doesn't like make people flock to the cinema or anything but but i like that initial sequence where they go into this office uh the, with the hidden camera and they sort of uh what is it that they're asking about um possibly being gigolos and what's the pros and cons and the, the sequence is kind of well made technically because the dialogue is quite muffled you don't hear it uh, a lot mm-hmm. uh, it's it's not real I, I don't think it's real at all but at least no. it's uh, the the perception is uh, that it's uh, just a camera sitting in a bag next to one of the guys in the uh, in the office and what have you but you know I I, I like the stupid questions about uh, what what if our clients are ugly <laughs> and it's so like really are you going there that's that's part of the issue with it like the, the sequence like that you know it's going very well like set up for it, the camera in the bag all that stuff's you know convincing enough the little back hallway that they got in this place you know everything's kind of working but then they just go a step too far 
and they got to sit there and like stuff like that. And uh, I mean, just the, the whole thing from the very start, they start asking questions that you know the uh, you know the guy behind the counter you would think would be like, okay, these guys are cops. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like they immediately start. Okay, so we're gonna be having sex with women and getting paid for it. How much money are they gonna be paying us when we have sex with them? And then like the guys like, well, you know, I mean, uh, it depends on the thing. I- I'll contact you about the further details later. And and then the next thing you know, they're like, so how do you get more guys in here other than us? What do you mean? Do I mean do you use uh, newspaper articles? Do you? Yeah, you know, it's like. They just go a, a step too far and they make it too apparent, I think. Which is not them being clever as satirical filmmakers. No. Like, it could have been like, oh, well done. Like, they're, they're, they're sort of sending up bad journalism, but I, I don't think they are, really. <laughs> no, not that smart about it. I, I think it's more about creating a little bit of a sensation, like, look, it's real. Or is it? Oh, yeah. you know? But it's not satirical in any effect, effective way. It's sort of... I think this it was sort of conjured up. Let's just make this movie, uh, nothing but like, like nothing more deep than that. We got a crew. We're gonna shoot some stuff, and uh, and you know we're gonna if at one point they follow a car and uh, with a guy who has a client in it and stuff like that. So and they do commentary over the sequences, which is kind of amusing. And that, like if they're really tailing this guy, they're the worst at it I've ever seen. They're literally for the whole time they're. You know, following this guy, they're like two car links at that at most. <laughs> they're like right on this guy's ass. He, the guy stops at a grocery store, you know, to supposedly go in and get condoms, and they literally park right behind him <laughs> yeah. for the entirety of the time. They sit there and park. But but uh, Charlie's uh, like in real time, almost instructing them. Uh, you yeah. know, uh, for, for, you know, b- before they go to have sex and uh, you know on a hill. <laughs> I love the the line from the commentary. Like they're not going to a hotel. There's no hotel here in Sai Kung. They're gonna have wildlife sex. <laughs> 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 and obviously that means they're gonna have sex in the car. And in the end, the camera crew turns into peepers because the the commentator, you know, but Charlie is almost like the director here. Like like. Get closer. Show like I see busts. I see busts. Like, gotta get closer. Get closer. Uh, it, it goes on and on and on too. Dude. Oh, but, it's uh, such a long sequence. Jesus. Because it goes on and it sort of is pointless too. Because why? Why be peepers? Like, what's the? What do we gain as viewers right. of this supposed documentary by watching people have? normal people sex in the car? Because it's not this. Like uh, they're not on wires or anything. No. And it it wasn't even like a, a full on sex scene because it's like, you know, you get to see it like in glimpses as the camera comes up and down, you know, from the window and stuff like that. So you don't even get to see a whole lot. There's a, there's a whole lot of that sequence where you're just looking at the side of a car. Yeah, exactly. So there's literally nothing there for a couple of minutes. So so, so yeah, it's sort of amusing, but um, again, fairly pointless. You know, uh, you know, it's easy to get through the movie. It has a fairly f- swift pace and tone, I guess. And uh, before it uh, goes into the normal reenactments and the film segments, there was both movies do this. They lose me with the whole, is it real, is it not, illusion by featuring hidden camera footage shot by a film camera. (laughs) You get me? Like, uh, supposedly it's in a bag or, like, attached to someone, but it's on film. It's not on video. The other movie do it right in some sequences, some sequences not. You're right about that. 
if I notice it, and I'm the worst person to notice continuity errors and even follow movies sometimes, <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. The, in 1993, film cameras weren't like effing GoPro, so anything that you can, mm-hmm. you know, attach to, uh, to to your body, and it's, you know, you have this whirling thing in your lap, like... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to talking about Key to Fortune, simply for the fact of the the few times where they get things right in that movie, whereas... Jiggly Revelation doesn't really try that much. And, you know, I'm kind of interested. What do you think spurred this? I don't know. I think it's an idea. I mean, maybe in media in general, there was this sort of um, focus on it, maybe. Uh, Newspapers were doing actual probing articles. Who knows? Maybe there were crackdowns on television, of course. Maybe there were crackdowns of, you know, brothels, you know, police inspections and what have you. So maybe it was in the air. Like, oh, yeah, let's do that then. Yeah, let's present it as reality. Let's try and do that. But and I admire that, like change your pace, of course. Sir, but I haven't heard of any other movie doing this. I think there's only two. It's so bizarre too, because both movies have the same formula and everything like that. So it's almost like it's hard to imagine that because Key to Fortune was the first, right? It was ninety two, and the other was ninety three. So it, it's hard to imagine that movie being like all that original. <laughs> so. It, you know, it's like, I wonder if there was like maybe a t- couple of TV specials or something like that that they were trying to duplicate, you know, and then here comes Jiggly Revelation just copying the formula continued. I- I'm wondering if maybe that was it or something like that. Or maybe, I don't know, it was Faces of Death. <laughs> like, just. I don't think they're going that deep cuts, you know. No, no way. I doubt they. If so, they would have not made this uh, completely dissimilar thing that isn't shocking, you know, because it isn't really shocking what we see here. It's sort of. Um, and it's not really. Well, in it's uncomfortable every now and again, but not really in that. They're not meaning to be the brooding and dark and gloomy about this ugly world. You know, it's not that. Uh, and and eventually they cut to, you know, sequences that are just uh, filmed sort of uh, half-goofy sex scenes. I mean, I, 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 I sort of guess that my rest of my review will be sort of like drop. I would drop into some sort of a funny uh, sh- share notes on some some of the funny sites and what have you because it really is about that for the rest of the movie. Like, oh, yeah, that's pretty amusing, but it doesn't enhance any. Uh, it doesn't enhance the view of our world in this mockumentary form by mixing the faked footage with the reenactments. I mean, it's more like, yeah, that's category three goofiness. Seeing, you know, yeah. these two girls uh, shaping sausages into dicks, you know, by putting them into their mouths and stuff like that. Yeah, like, and then chewing on them and boom, I created a dick with uh, the sausage now, like there's a tip of a dick on the sausage. You know, that kind of, it's funny, I guess. A lot of both both of these movies, a whole lot of the content comes down to almost like, these seem like secondary ideas from a Cat 3 movie, you know, just like, These were ideas we had for like a couple of movies, but we never got around to shooting them. So we're going to come up with a way to frame them together. And, you know, here's your movie. Yeah, totally. And I mean, there's, um, you know, further further gags like one gigolo struggles, uh, you know, being erect. I mean, these are days before widespread Viagra. I'm sure there was medicine out there, but not commercially available medicine as Viagra is, uh, is now. And uh, but but it does get, does get erect by uh, this is the newspaper uh, or or the dirty mag joke <laughs> by having the ugly client hold up a dirty mag and I think the image on the mag is of Veronica Yip that makes him instantly hard. 
thing. <laughs> so he's ready now. And then she removes the, the paper. And the, do you remember the payoff gag? The waka waka gag to it all? I don't think I do, no. The condom drops on the floor. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the second he sees her actual face, he immediately goes back to being soft. Because this movie is sensitive like that. Very, yes. It's very subtle. One of the best gags, not gags, but it was amusing to me. There's a sequence with a pair of very eager gigolos uh, pampering their client. And they're they're sort mm-hmm. of running through the checklist of what to do when they're in a club with a gi- uh, with a giant, with a client. And uh, they, they, they sort of like, oh, hello, have some fruit. Uh, uh, oh, have some more fruit, watermelon. Oh, let's sing karaoke. Oh, oh, I want, I, want you, I want to take you home. Should we go home? I want to use the toilet in your home or something like that. There's some bizarre dialogue. They're just running through the program, it seems, mm-hmm. which was amusing to me. They're both like, have some fruit. Let's do some karaoke, yeah. <laughs> essentially. So uh, I thought that was, uh, you know, there's enough little glimpses of minor energy using the gigolo template within these film sequences that are reenactments. They're not meant to be documentary stuff. So, uh, but it is without aim overall, I think. Yeah, unfortunately, this this movie in comparison to the other never really says like, hey, this is a reenactment. Although you can kind of tell when it goes to being a reenactment and stuff like that, but just for preserving you know the reality of the situation i think it's it's nice how the second movie which we're going to talk about does at the beginning of the movie go okay we're going to reenact the moment blah blah blah, so that you kind of and here's the actress and and she's called this and you know roll tape essentially so yeah they're they're, they're very clear you're absolutely right Uh, and any other goofy highlight you remember from this filmed uh, filmed segments of uh, Jiggly Revelation that uh, tickled you? Um, I mean, uh, should we fast forward to the whole uh, several women in 24 hours uh, segment that they sort of hinge a lot on? Be- be- because Charlie, like said, like this guy did this in 24 hours and became a millionaire. I didn't really follow the um, a lot of the monetary like explanations during this 24 hour thing. But yeah, that was pretty bizarre like this guy's a dickwad too man yeah i totally is i mean it's yeah he has sex with three different clients in 24 hours i don't think that's too much of a stretch i mean it's not like he had 24 of women in 24 hours like three, right. three of them is it's doable right <laughs> <laughs> you, like, you follow me you follow me yeah <laughs> but yeah so the guy's day starts off early and he goes to uh, some rich lady's house <sighs> let's start the day <laughs> It would have been awesome. Cockadoodle do. He start yeah, and lives on a farm. So yeah, he starts off at uh this rich lady's mansion or whatever. And it, it's such a bizarre sequence because like we we talked about this, but like what they use for comedy in the situation is like really kind of you know, a lot of audiences today would really get up in arms about it. But basically this guy takes the, this dog why does he why is he so pissed off at the dog? Who knows? I guess he doesn't want it to be a distraction as he uh, performs the transaction. I don't know. So he he grabs her this woman's dog while she's inside, probably grabbing her purse or something like that. And it's like a little poodle dog. He sticks its head in his wine glass or whatever. And, you know, that alone's enough. Like, you could have ended the scene right there and been like, you know, I'll show you dog or something like that. And then starts doing that. That could have been the end. But then he tips the, you know, glass forward and starts, you know, the water, you know, the wine basically covers the dog's mouth and stuff, and you can see. And then the camera just lingers there, oh, like I didn't like that. Yeah, for far too long. You're like, holy shit, this dude's basically drowning this dog. 
I can tolerate a lot of stuff and it doesn't make sense maybe morally to tolerate animal cruelty in like cannibal holocaust but I'm a dog guy it's just in my DNA so this uh, I did not like seeing that it, it really made me uncomfortable um, for the few seconds that it uh, went on but the, the, this whole like tour of women if you will it's not really this sort of like boom 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 sequence it just goes through female to female I mean kudos Meanders. it's sort of sent yeah, it does, it does. It is sort of sensual, yeah. And the actors are into it, but there's no connection to it all. Like, there's no, like, it's not a crescendo to the movie as such. And it doesn't, like, add energy and color. It's just sort of low-budget, category-free filmmaking. And I guess it's sort of sensual. They're not too bad at performing these sex scenes. But this whole, like, in 24 hours, you made money, tell me how. And then it all, it really ends with him you know, investing, I guess. <laughs> you right. know, he invested correctly and he made money. Okay. Great. You know, <laughs> that's <laughs> the sequence is bizarre because it's probably the longest. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to take a guess and probably say at least 15, 20 minutes of runtime probably is spent on this. And yeah, by the end of it, you're just like, okay, what, what the hell just happened? I have no idea what happened, nor do I care. Charlie's excited, but he's not really super psyched about everything, really. (laughs) I mean, at one point, even him and Lily Lee, they look onto uh, something that we have seen in the movie. They're hiding in the bushes, like, look at that. (laughs) And uh, I would have loved to see more of that, Uh, you know, the host sneaking around, you know, bursting into scenes maybe that we thought were reenactments. That would (laughs) would have been cool. I do find a sort of what the final scene with the dom dominating woman, uh, re, um, who is it, uh, Reina, Reina Otomo, who appears every now and again in these category three movies. The two gigolos that she she has her way with them mostly, you know, she's <laughs> like holding both of their dicks at at one point and like and doing like a skiing motion. Yes, you're like she, like she's doing slalom and just pulling them like all over the place and. Uh, didn't she say something like a skiing in Kowloon or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's any place to ski in Kowloon necessarily. But, you know, she's very conscious about making it painful for them. And then the tables are sort of turned. And it's like, I'm going to ask you a serious question here. You know, when they get into that whole chair position where they're, they're both uh, doing her? Yeah. Is the implication. <laughs> <laughs> doing her? <laughs> Is the implication that. Uh, they're having anal sex with her as well. Or is one of the guys just sitting there as the chair? Please explain. <laughs> yeah. I believed that they were, you know, it was double penetration. And, they, you know, they're rocking back and forth. Both guys seem to be humping. I believed that. But then the very next, you know, when they change positions, audience, uh, try to imagine a woman standing on her hands. And then she has her legs up in like a split type position. And then you've got two guys in between their legs pretending to hump i don't know if it's double penetration or what the fuck was going on because there's no way either one of them were having sex with her while she was standing on her hands because that that shit was bizarre (laughs) it was like two guys fighting for space and it's like her hips were even above their hips so her (laughs) hips were above their hips i have no idea what the fuck was going on yeah they they, they sort of turned the tables on on her and then and, and then it ends i mean the movie really ends here and it's not like the end of the story we've been following and oh my god here's the twist now it, they, they sort of says oh my god she's dead and you hear ambulance sounds on the soundtrack but her eyes are moving and then cut to Char- <laughs> charlie Cho and lily lee and uh, well i hope you enjoyed it bye <laughs>
I, I took it that they thought they killed her because they banged her so hard. But why the ambulance sounds on the soundtrack? We're not that stupid. Like, they, they couldn't have called the ambulance that quick. I, I mean, I, I always enjoy her because she's really, really sexy. But, um, you know. If they didn't, if they had forgot to shoot any shots of the woman with her eyes closed and everything and just, like, being still, the very least they could have done was just freeze-framed her face. That would have been so much easier. But who am I to teach these these magistrates of cinema? <laughs> You're only a nurse. Like, shut up. We know what we're doing. We got Charlie and Lily t- telling you what this movie was about. And they don't really. I mean, it doesn't end with any. And remember, kids, Yeah. the, the moral of the story is, like, it, it, the other movie does. And this one sort of, yeah, I hope you enjoyed. And uh, we're done now. Yeah, this movie like seems like the goal of it or whatever it is to show how great it is to be a gigolo, and it almost presents itself in a way of like being, well, here's how you become a gigolo type of deal, you know? Like, oh, you know, they operate out of places like this, you know. You have to be really, you know, it's like it wants you to be a gigolo after watching. And whereas our second film, we're going to talk about it, it just de-escalates into this bullshit about like, here's how to woo women, you know. But yeah, both of them try to present themselves, I think, as being like informational or something. Yeah, I indeed think that is the purpose. And this one doesn't do it well at all. It has some glimpses of, uh, you know, oh, it's state reality. I've never seen that in a Hong Kong category three movie before. Okay, like, no, it's not really well made. But okay, cool. I, I don't mind that it's in, you know, in my library now, you know, in terms yeah. of what I've experienced within the rating. Uh, and hence the reason we're even covering it on the show. It's... Uh, it's unique, but um, isn't good now at all. I mean, uh, Ch- Charlie Cho completists only, one might say, because it doesn't have any sex in the <laughs> sex in the movie either. So <laughs> it just stands there. There it is. Um, as for availability, I only know of the universe VCD of the film because I have it, and uh, but but I have, it's not on DVD, and I don't. Think, it might have a laser disc, but uh, I don't know if one came out. And uh, but it is a letterboxed version. It's uh, subtitled, but it's out of print, uh, unfortunately. So try and get that somehow, but don't expect 4K Ultra HD for this movie anytime soon. No, no like I bought a player. I'm ready. I'm ready for the jiggly <laughs> revelation. <laughs> I mean, I want it revealed to me. Yeah, well, the remake should be the Gigolo Revolution. That, that sounds more, you know, hardcore. You know, they're, they're on the march, you know, to to revolt. Starring uh old dude from 21 Jump Street. The old dude? No, well, fuck, what's his name? Are you talking about the black actor? No, no, no. The guy, the the muscle-bound dude, the, the one that all the chicks like, fuck. Are you talking about the TV series or the movie? I'm talking about the movie. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm way back in like Johnny Depp days. Like um, <laughs> I think you know, the, the, um, like the black guy I would have known in Twenty One Jump Street. I know it's Ice Cube, but the other guy, Magic Mike, Magic Mike. Oh, uh, like Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. Yeah, that's who's going to star in the the remake. Okay, there it is. We'll wait for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's uh, you know I read about it. It's it's happening. People believe me. He's going to be the guy. He's going to be Charlie, I think. But he's going to be shirtless for the whole thing and covered in oil. It's on your very own website with movie news called Twatch. <laughs> Twatch. <laughs> Getting big. Yeah. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're really breaking some big stories. Yeah. <laughs> Along with some Let's Play commentary, like, Charlie bra! <laughs> so yeah, look out for that. We'll take a short musical break and then we'll discuss the second mockumentary. And as we already alluded to, well, slightly better of the of the two that we have picked here. The only two that I know of that we can pick. And it's called Key to Fortune from 1992. So sit tight and we'll be back. 
Welcome back in the other review of the other mockumentary hosted by the man and a woman and we'll tell, we'll tell you all about the man in a short bit is Key to Fortune from 1992 and plot from my review of the film although it's not traditional plot of course so but this is what I wrote although it's part documentary we sum it up like this along with Angel Cheng in Sing Sound James Wong presents us with the image of Hong Kong as a booming place for sex trade whether it's working on the street in clubs or as a so to say private whore it paints an image of the it's their their wording not mine <laughs> it paints an image of the possibility to make quick money rather than show patience and getting paid well over time doing a 9 to 5 job and if you had no image of hong kong beyond the surface key to fortune might present glimpses of a reality the citizens have access to and, and it doesn't take a comedic angle really to all of its content so uh, it's a bit more focused based on that so, Ken, let's talk about that whoremonger James Wong. <laughs> yes, a lecherous man in movies and a world-class composer. Yep, only in Hong Kong would you find this description. And, uh, I mean, uh, you know, you've heard his music, I guarantee you, listeners, even for this show. You know, lyricist for countless classic movie and TV songs and scores. He's an actor, he's a writer, he's a director. He was, because he's passed away. And he was born in 1941 in Guangzhou, China, but his family migrated to Hong Kong at the end of that decade. He was a well-educated man, graduated from the Chinese Department Faculty of the arts, um, or, or of the University of Hong Kong. He received a MP, a MPhil, I don't know how you pronounce that, but I think it's a Master of Philosophy degree from the same university in 1983 for his study in Cantonese opera, focusing on what he perceived to be the problems of Cantonese opera. And even uh, mid-fighting his lung cancer in 2003, he got a PhD degree at the Department of Sociology from said university, with his with the title of his thesis being The Rise and Decline of Canto Pop, a study of Hong Kong popular music. Lecherous man, people, in movies. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, accomplishments in education and media, really. And he was also known for telling vulgar jokes. He even released a series of best-selling joke books. <laughs> and you know amidst the conservative environment in the 70s this apparently stood out quite a bit when he started telling his vulgar jokes uh, but uh, he st- as a composer he started to compose movie scores in 1978 at Shaw Brothers but James Wong's work in the 80s and 90s for big as well as small movies uh, an understatement is to say that it's classic uh, really I mean he provided a score for movies such as Shanghai Blues Peking Opera Blues, Dragons Forever, A Chinese Ghost Story, Once Upon a Time in China, Hard Boiled, Green Snake, a lot of Choi Hak movies, but he, he worked with everyone. And amidst all of this, he was also a talk show host, with one <laughs> being, uh, like, he, he liked to do everything, he liked to be busy, I respect that. Yeah. And he apparently did a program translated as Off Guard Tonight, which sounds like we're going to catch them off guard tonight. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound good for the people that are on it. Yeah, and he co-hosted that on ATV. I'm not sure if it's that show, but I've seen clips of um, a show with him from like it's around 1988-89 because it's him it's Danny Lee it's John Woo it's Ching Fuyon sitting there in a sofa having conversations smoking and what have you a very informal uh, discussion between dudes 
And I, I'm not sure Off Guard Tonight was the show he had Bridget Lynn on as a guest, but one story goes that he kept asking her for, her for a good 30 minutes about her eyebrows, cleft chin, and her breasts. <laughs> really pro- as a probing interviewer, like, let me, <laughs> let's talk of this over and over again. <laughs> Uh, but also, James Wong was an actor, extending his dirty jokes and lecherous persona to movies such as Stooges in Tokyo and The Wild Goose Chase. And uh, one of his last roles was playing Ethan Chan's father in Anne Hoy's acclaimed horror movie Visible Secret from 2001. And as I alluded to, James Wong unfortunately passed away in 2004 after losing his battle with lung cancer and uh, a low-key funeral followed. Uh, the media in Hong Kong honored the late great master by keeping his songs in rotation. And Hong Kong Stadium held a tribute ceremony subsequently with 15,000 people in attendance. So, well-liked man. Like, he never, like, it didn't become scandalous that he had, like, this sensibility, too. Like, yeah, lecturers, man, he moves all right, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) And then, at the same time, composing award-winning scores. I have a few more notes on uh, on, uh, James uh, as we get into the review. But first of all, a short opinion of Key to Fortune from you, Joshua. What did you think of it? Better but not great. (laughs) That's it. That's how I I live my life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I, I sort of agree. It's coherent. It's cohesive. uh, but it's so-so as well. I mean, the subjects are clear what they're doing, but the traditional documentary plus a rather light tone doesn't... It doesn't mix that well where it can create an impact. But there's some entertainment using the fake documentary form or mockumentary form, plus the staged reenactments uh, are quite amusing at points. There's more, obviously, there was more time put into this movie than the other. Just even little simple things like, you know, the the interviews and stuff like that where they're trying to hide the face of the, uh, you know, people being interviewed. They, they do like this crazy cartoony, you know, thing that covers their eyes, like a scratched out, like yellow and black little design. And it, it looks pretty cool, you know, even for what it is. It's almost like they just sit there and drew this cartoon, you know, and up, you know, over the negative or something like that. It, it's very cool. But... Unfortunately, uh, the content's not there. They have a point, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're stating it well. Right. You know, with an impact, as I said. So, uh, But, uh, you know, going back to James Wong, it's always amazing that Hong Kong entertainment profiles are so naturally not content with one thing, or at least was. I mean, case in point, here is a master composer and also a decent actor doing lecherous, very funny characters in movies. You know, and here he is hosting a mockumentary on Sexy Life in Hong Kong. And, you know, as we said before, but I think it makes perfect sense as, as if you draw it like a Western perspective. Imagine John Williams. Imagine Ennio Mor- Morricone. <laughs> Imagine John Barry also doing this while being master composer. It simply doesn't happen, dude. No, it's bizarre. Uh, but in Hong Kong, it's not an odd combo. It's not pornographic living. You know what I mean? He's not making, uh, like, like, he's not doing anything illegal by being quite immature <laughs> you know? and he's super psyched too to be he's super into it as the hosting duties shows it's not like he's super uncomfortable being here i don't mm-hmm. like it i'm being paid but i don't like it <laughs> it starts with uh you know the stats being uh, sort of rattled uh rattle off here and uh the whoring business we're getting an insight into what the whoring business is like i suppose and it might have a stark sort of uh, reality to it. They're talking about uh, prostitutes getting younger and younger. 
you know, um, and them becoming whole hostesses and all of that. But mm-hmm. that that they're also good businesswomen know that they're making money to support their subsequent life. So th- this is a movie that gladly and sort of enthusiastically talk of um, this life. But also at the same time, waves a little bit of a finger saying, be careful out there. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Have fun, but not too much fun. Women, you know, uh, if you went out with this guy on this night, it would have been dangerous. You know, there was like that whole sequence where I don't even know what the fuck was going on. They're just showing how dangerous it could be to be a hooker. Yeah, there is a sequence somewhere, uh, yeah, yeah, indeed, where, where they sort of say afterwards, uh, they do it right. a few times in the movies, like, next time, be more careful than the lady we just portrayed, <laughs> you know? Once again, the film's trying to, you know, show the audience how to be a sex worker. And but it sort of isn't judging, but at the same time, it does. It's, it's, I guess it's fine that it's neutral, but I, I, did, I didn't find that appealing as a sort of end tally to it all, that it gladly portrays this world. But it isn't there to, you know, celebrate it either. Do you think uh, the initial stages of, um, you know, showing documentary footage, we've seen the crew and the boom mic and all of that, like uh, coming to this establishment where people are saying, get out, get out, I don't want to be on camera. Do do you think that holds any solid reality to it? I mean, it is fake. uh... But after the previous film, you know, it's... It's a breath of fresh air, you know, because it seems that much realer, you know. The fact that you do see the boom mic, you do see the people carrying lights and stuff into this place, it becomes more real because of that, you know, and the handheld camera. Everybody's, you know, covering their face and, you know, stuff like that. It, it brings you into the world a, a bit more. And it's also sync sound still in these sequences. It's not dubbed dialogue either. And when they do eventually, like, go kind of undercover, it switches to video. And uh, it just, the movie does a much better job at presenting itself as being real. Mm -hmm. You know, even like, and then, like I said, when they cut to, uh, you know, reenactments, they, at least once, they let you know this is a reenactment. You know, the movie, like, establishes that. So the rest of the movie, they can go back to it easily without having to re explain, okay, this is a reenactment. Whereas the other movie, sometimes you couldn't tell when it was a reenactment and when it wasn't. Also, because everything was shot on, you know, film. Indeed, you're, you're absolutely on point. And uh, there's other details, like they're blurring out the names of restaurants that are sec- mm-hmm. they are secretly filming. So it's it's easy to see through. But I I very much agree. I enjoy the better focus on blurring the lines here. And uh, what we haven't mentioned actually is that the director is Otto Chan, who is the director of movies we've covered on this show. Before, uh, Diary of a Serial Killer and Gates of Hell, where the, the infamous Eat My Bomb <laughs> came came to be <laughs> through that movie he shot in San Francisco. So there's uh, this is before that. Uh, I alluded to that on the show that uh, he uh, did these kind of documentary style. He did at least one documentary style movie and that maybe served him well when shooting in some sequences in San Francisco because they're very much uh, documentary in style. So... Uh, but uh, he sort of pulls off some good moves as a mockumentarian. Uh, he still, they still sort of completely lose you in other sequences. There's an early sequence where they are presumably sitting in a cafe and listening in on a conversation with uh, two girls, let's say, and uh, for lack of a better word, they're pimp and uh, they're getting phone yeah. calls and transactions and dad is shot on a film camera. So it's complete, like, like it's in his lap. And it's shooting right. between his legs or his arm or whatever, but it's shot on a film camera. And 
I don't. I haven't held a film camera in my life, but I know in 1993 they must have been fairly bulky. Yeah. So that that doesn't uh, and, and it's not very well acted either. But uh, no. at least they don't do proper shots. I mean, it's sort of yeah, it's a hidden camera, it's a low angle. I guess that's fine, but it is on film, and I wonder why, since they knew how to shoot on video in subsequent sequences, why the hell they didn't. Uh, choose video for this little thing here to maintain the reality so to say the reenactments baby <laughs> what, what do you think of them the, the actor cindy yip gets to appear in a few sequences where they explain what kind of clients they might encounter for instance we got the teacher who likes um, punishment uh, did you get any enjoyment out of these little sequences uh, you know it, it's hit and miss you know the teacher one yeah you know, it's kind of funny because like She's talking about, you know, weird things and it's like, okay, this guy likes spankings. You know, that's it. Like he he spanks her even. It's not even her spanking him. So it's like it's not a that huge of a deal. And then And any sort of role play as well. Right. So he's uh, telling her like you're a bit of bad girl and all of that stuff. Right. It's it's not a huge bizarre thing. The next guy does like to have uh the girl pee in his mouth though. But what happens, Joshua instead? Because oh, she has yeah. trouble peeing. She she can't go, so she ends up uh, cutting a good fart, and uh, <laughs> that that somehow kind of ends up in his mouth, and uh, he doesn't well, like. Well, it he's much. there, like uh, like with his tongue out, like just waiting, yeah. uh, like uh, there's supposed to be a fountain coming at him. Um, you know that that's uh, fair enough, fair enough. If it's uh, right. uh, he, he's not hurting anybody by getting it himself, I suppose. But uh, yeah, it's one of those like mmm, 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 she farted instead, and then she laughs. Because she's not embarrassed at all. But but I found them quite enjoyable because it's sort of familiar territory. We still get sick <laughs> sound, which uh, n- not the peeing, but uh, these are filmed sequences, not meant to be reality. And uh, you know, the teacher one, I found amusing because he you know he spanks her and uh, shows her which rulers he wants to use and all of that. And when he's into it, he doesn't last very long. You know, he never has sex with her. He just, you know, spanks her and then tucks one out really quickly, and then he's done. Yeah. But he's paying for it. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's his money. I'm not judging. I'm not judging the actor. It's an actor. <laughs> he's getting paid, by the way. <laughs> he's, he's not paying to be in the movie. <laughs> and I, I love, by the way, that uh, because we see these reenactments and these uh, clients, you know, saying this, you're a bad girl, it sounds goofy. But I'm be- if I'm being sort of serious, I think... Within the, you know, from inside the sadist, you know, is in horn, you know, horn dog mode. All of that doesn't sound goofy because it's his thing, but it's yeah. sometimes wonderful just to see how dumb it can sound. You know, it can be funny. <laughs> I mean, t- two can share share it in a funny, light way, but you know, you've been a bad girl. You know, that sounds hot in your head. But when someone is listening in on that, like, come on. <laughs> yeah, you sound like a fucking idiot. Well, there's there's Johnny the pimp. Yeah, the star of the of the movie. We first star encounter him. Movie. Yeah, we spend a lot of time with Johnny the pimp and find out some. He doesn't seem like a bad guy in some sections, and then find out some horrible guys in some sections because I think Otto Chan takes care of business fairly well doing a few of the Johnny sequences here um, as we follow him around. Because one, Joshua, he takes he, he gets the, the director, which is actually. Did they say it's the mustached assistant director? That is yeah. Otto Chan. That is oh, our main really? director in the movie. Wow, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. So he's in the movie. And what they're doing right here, Joshua, in terms of the hidden camera stuff in the club, 
you know, uh, wanna wanna recap that? I mean, is it uh, is it still shot on film or what did it do instead? Are you talking about like where uh, we see Johnny go up to the girl? Yeah. And... Well, 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 well. My point is, they they shoot it on video, and does it now look all the more convincing, like actual hidden camera footage? Yeah. Was it? Wait, was it shot on uh, video? If if not, they degraded it to really look super yeah. grainy, and it's because it's supposedly it's in a bag or something like that. Right. And it's not like it's clearly not filmed. So I thought these sequences were totally believable, really, on their own. Like, uh, yeah, Johnny and the assistant director. The fact that they brought the assistant director thing that doesn't it, it, it kind of makes you speculate that it's not real because of that. But uh, yeah, I do yeah, this one it was like a much a lighter stock or something like that because like later in the movie when um we see uh, like the skating rink or whatever all of that too was really really well done like that looked like this is much later in the movie but we see i think it was much later yeah the skating rink is towards the end yeah okay i just you know we see oh yeah that's right they're, they're sitting there filming women just to see like they have a a bait yes, woman yes, to see you see you know how guys hit on women and stuff like that but yeah during that we have like the bait woman she's actually mic'd up and then the other characters and stuff like we see that character leave her go somewhere else and he's not mic'd up and i was like it's very persuasive and real you know seems like but i remember the club looking similar to that sequence later you know that that same type of like video look in comparison to film it's also where we still sort of side with Johnny. He doesn't seem... Like, he has his moves, but he he is fairly clever because he says at one point when the girl comes out of the toilet, like, I gotta lay it on, like, like lay it on thick here. I'm here to woo you. Like, me? Why do you have a... Do you have a reason for wooing me? Well, if I had a reason, that would seem sort of premeditated, wouldn't it? Like, uh, I just like you. Yeah. But later in the, in the movie, like, he has his uh, finger in many pies, if you will. Right. And some sequences <laughs> later is oh, super uncomfortable, but that means they're well done. When he's introduced, he seems more like he's just a, a kind of a con man and kind of a, you know, he's just after girls and stuff. But then you come to find out he's not really just after girls. He's trying to, like, get them in a relationship so that he can then trick them into being prostitutes, basically. And 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 James Wong does um, earlier in, in all of this when it's still sort of uh, light and wacky to follow Johnny. James Wong does commentary like, "Whoa, they kissed! They totally yeah. kissed! Yoo-hoo! Like he's nearly saying that. He's super as Charlie was super psyched to be following these sequences. <laughs> super psyched to be following a whoremonger <laughs> from one whoremonger to another. You know? Yeah. Before we get into that uh, whole Johnny sequence in mainland China, I wanna I wanna talk uh, Uruguayan style. <laughs> oh, God. that was strange and stupid because yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know because they say that sometimes the girls are on their period and what are like what can they do then when client wants to have sex and what have you and they say well we perform Uruguayan style. It seems like she goes down on him for five seconds. Okay, so it's a blowjob. Why call it something else? Right. But as it turned out, <laughs> I don't I don't know about these things, Joshua. <laughs> like, yeah. Is that style about having your dick in her armpit and then coming in her armpit? Because that was the thing. She holds up her armpit and and the other one, the Paraguayan style, was doing the it left. in the left armpit instead. I'm on that's <laughs> stupid. That's so stupid. 
So, I mean, well, why not call it what it is? You know, it's confusing right. for old men like me. Like, it would, yeah, wh- wh- why are we going into Do I need to learn another language <laughs> to have sex <laughs> with you? But, but, but I like uh, the description they have for the guys who like to uh, hold on and not come too fast. We call them Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Ninja Turtle. <laughs> and there's some fun stuff with the guy who's impotent uh, who wants to dress up as her instead. So uh, they're uh, yes. so they switch uh, the gender switching, and I, I, I think those sequences are quite alright. They're they're good fun on their own. They're a little two three minutes. Uh, it's all very Cat Three throwaway ideas, you know. Basically, it's similar to the other movie, just. Here's a bunch of random ideas we had for like sex movies that we never got to make. Yeah, they they really they really do feel that way. The hosts don't tie it together as such. Where you go, ah, okay. Um, so you really can judge only individual sequences and say, kind of well done. But uh, mm-hmm. as a whole, it doesn't really cohere. But I, I think the best sequence because it did make me uncomfortable is when Johnny goes to the mainland to pick girls for imports. Mm-hmm. This was well done, almost too real. When he goes to the office and stuff yes, like that. Yes, that yeah. was so uncomfortable. So what, what do you remember Remember about the uh, the uh, selection process that he made in the office there? <laughs> it's quite funny. This this beat uh, President Clinton by many years, but uh, there's some fun with a, a cigar, you know, to check and see if the woman has an STD. Did he do that with a cigar? I thought yeah. he just poked her with... Something. Nope. I didn't know it was, was a cigar. He, he had a cigar, and he tried to hand him the cigar at the end to, like, leave. Oh, was that it? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want that. I don't want that. It's been in her. It's been in her. And, <laughs> and apparently, I, you know, that he said, like, the cigar, if, like, he puts it in there and the girl, you know, cringes, then that means she's, you know, basically might have an STD. The first girl doesn't cringe at all. The second one kind of cringes. And he's like, oh, you just pushed, you put it in too hard or whatever. You know, she, she doesn't, she's clean, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's really. I, I I don't think this is too far off from reality. If I'm being totally honest, like they they right. bring these four girls in, he deselects two, and he sort of strip check them. The, mm. What's uh, what do they cost? Twenty grand, and they're cattle, dude. Totally uncomfortable. It can't be real. I mean, it obviously can't be real. I mean, I no. think even Otto Chan is still with him at that point. He's the guy who's. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, playing the assistant director, but he's the guy holding the camera. You know th- these low angle uh, angle shots that are, aren't on uh, on film, as far as I know, uh, if they're very well manipulated. So yeah, it's appropriate realism. I mean, mainland girls do come to Hong Kong to make to make money and all of that. So um, does it make a case for the movie being impactful because we have this sequence? I no, no, no not really. I mean, as an individual sequence. Sure. Right. But for the whole coherent, cohesive thingamajig here. No, not really, because it shortly thereafter, a few sequences later, we cut to this very crap full Thai body massage thingy. <laughs> <laughs> that is so stupid as well. Yeah. Da- she lays down the guy in a on a inflatable mattress in a bathtub. Uh, which looks like they're in a hospital or something. It looks uh, or like a mental institution. It doesn't look good, that's for sure. And, and the full body massage is just her sliding a little bit all over him, <laughs> you know, laying on top of him and sliding back and forth. I thought that looked so stupid. Yeah, that didn't look very uh, sexy, for sure. She takes her crotch and just grinds it on his uh, leg. Oh, boy. 
I didn't look like they, oh my god, I'm all loosened up now after the massage, you know. No, <laughs> it sort of looks what men like what men and women can do in the bathroom anyway, or bathroom or bedroom anyway, mm. to each other. You don't need to call it a like this wicked thing called a tight yeah. full body oh. massage. Like, no, it just looks and maybe that's what you'll get. Like they dress it up in a good name and then when you've paid for it to get into the room, it is disappointing. Maybe that's the point. That's life, you know. You thought this movie was going to be good. You know, we dressed it up with a good name. Yeah, key to fortune. You came in and you found out, you know, something else. But yeah, what else is there? Well, James Wong touches upon the film industry a little bit. He uh, is in a uh, video shop at one point. So that is just like porn everywhere, porn everywhere. I see Escape from Brothel over there, in like different movies. That's how sex and Zen. Yep, very much so, very much so. And... Uh, he uh, he talks of, I think, something that might connect to reality, that these Japanese actresses uh, also are prostitutes, but the big money lies in movies. So, you know, they might be AV models uh, on home turf, but they still want to make movie, you know, in, uh, make movies and make money in Hong Kong. And I think that's not too far off. Yeah. It's just that... Um, it's also an individual sequence that can be sort of fun to watch, but it's not very convincingly made either because it sort of leads to after the transaction they transaction they go to the hotel to close the deal and james wong says on a commentary like we, we can't follow them for security purposes but hey we shot from across the street and caught them having sex at yeah. the fucking window <laughs> like, <laughs> with the curtains drawn of course <laughs> like it opened rather multiple positions yeah I mean, they, they they sort of shoot it like loosely and uh, zoom in and stuff like that, but it, it's more about James Wong's enthusiastic commentary than anything that uh, works for the movie. Again, individual sequences uh, rather than a full thesis being put on display here. What about the dog? <laughs> the dog who's a star. <laughs> I, I forgot. I forgot about the dog. That was... Uh, Funny because they don't do anything with the dog, thankfully. Yeah. All on the female movie industry. They say that the best-selling video is this thing called Dogs and Humans. <laughs> okay. So they go to interview the owner of the dog, and they shoot the dog as well. And what killed me, Joshua, is that they obscure <laughs> the eyes of the dog as well. Like, we gotta hide his identity, man. <laughs> but the dog's owner, they don't. You know? Exactly. Like, he's, he's cool. <laughs> And what it's also what it is, listeners, of course, is they imply, and I hope to God this wasn't true in real life, that there was underground bestiality porn. But that's what they're implying here, that uh, there's money to be made in bestiality. You know it exists, you know, it, it's out there. Yeah, well, thankfully, uh, again, they didn't do anything with the dog here and, like, put him into any situation. They sort of shoot a little cute scene with a girl, you know, cuddling with the dog and having a good time, and the dog having a mm-hmm. good time. But no, like, hint at sex between dogs and humans, thankfully, yeah. because I don't need to see that. One of the few things I judge in this world when uh, something isn't uh, doesn't have a free will and a saying in the matters, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I guess the best sort of laugh I got, because it, it was made during that era, is when they go out and talk of uh, various uh, ways to flirt with girls. And I thought this uh, felt uh, like a sequence that Joshua would remember, because... They use probably against Nintendo's will. They probably were never asked. They use one of their best-selling uh, hot items of the early night and, of the early nineties uh, as uh, as the, the sort of um, 
tip and uh, tip to sort of uh, flirt with girls. You should use this Nintendo accessory. So what do they uh, what do they suggest? Uh, go into the MTR station and uh, and do. You should always use bring your Game Boy with you. <laughs> always bring the Game Boy. You know, especially if you have like uh, Mario Land, Super Mario Land. Bring that bad boy. It's got the music on it. You know, it's gonna really bring the girls in. Girls like that. The whole concerto here. Oh, I love it, yeah. But what I got from the movie was that, okay, now that we've showed all the horrible stuff, and they even say Johnny is arrested at one point, here's how you can genuinely you know, flirt with women and, you know, sincerely flirt with women. The thing is, they're showing sort of awful techniques. Right, yeah. It's, it, dude, it's like, it's like, yeah, you know, uh, like, on, like you're going to go on a date, right? And, uh, you know, while you're on the date, it's, it's all like little things like, you know, well, have her hold the popcorn so that you can reach across and grab her boob as she, you know what I'm saying? And then, like, if you're on a date, go swimming, you know, at the local <laughs> YMCA. But don't at the same time because they, then they do a switcheroo, like, <laughs> the host, like you do all of that, but don't. It's not even tips, you know what I'm saying? Because they're like, if you go swimming and she doesn't know how to swim, you can offer to teach her to swim, and then you can grab her boobs while you're under the water. Like, that makes no sense. It's like the worst. It's it's like it's something like some loser, like idiot, would think of and think like, oh, if I took her swimming, this is what would happen. When in reality, it's like she'd be like, no, I'm not a swim. Get the fuck away from me. I just love that they're sort of like, uh, you think it's good-natured tips up until a point, and then they come in and say, well, girls, you have to be careful out there because this can't happen. Oh, yeah. So Now you know the tricks, so, you know, look out. And it it seems so quickly conceived as a movie, you know, and therefore, again, it's not huge on a main thesis. Uh, It's sort of like, this is our content, some is good for you, some is bad, we're psyched either way, but also asking (laughs) you to look out for yourself. Goodbye. We're psyched either way. That's true. At least James is. It's, it's, and he, yeah. even do, he even does it himself before the freeze frame ending. Like He turns uh, turns around to Angel and then accident, accidentally grabs her boobs. And, uh, no, James, Uncle James. You're silly. Waka, waka, waka. <laughs> Much more watchable. But uh, as an exercise um, in this mockumentary style, would you have liked to see more from Hong Kong? In the, the style, or, 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 or does it get killed off via these two movies, this attempt? <laughs> I think they did it as good as the genre was going to allow. So, uh, you know, I don't think there's a whole, a whole lot of need for more of them unless they somehow progressed into something decent. <laughs> oh, they even have a horrible uh, black person joke here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's got a big dick. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of in one of those establishments where guys are all waiting in in a waiting room to have sex with the prostitutes. You know, uh, you, essentially they're at the dentist here, and <laughs> and uh, presumably an African man comes in and she says like, no, 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 no more, no more, doing the like sign of having sex. Right. And he and he speaks in whatever language he speaks in, in a very enthusiastic way. Like he starts, uh, you know, thrusting in the thrusting in mid air. Like, yeah, I understand you. Let's have sex. Uh, so it's also sensitive like that, listeners, uh, this movie. It's, it's played for laughs rather than this serious insight. 
into things that might go on. So that's why it's sort of uh, it's sort of lame to to resort to all of that stereotypes. But uh, it happens. It has of moments of darkness every now and then in a movie where they try to present everything as fun and silly cramming a lot in the movie and i guess that's the problem too you you probably can make a good documentary on this but decide on decide on something yeah you know you you can have james wong host, host it of course but you have to decide on what you're doing and uh, here it's comes and goes in interest but uh on whole not so much and that's that's all i have to say yeah let's go rent the dogs and humans joshua <laughs> i'm gonna go buy it i ain't rent nothing <laughs> go watch it together <laughs> Next time on the Tiny Wine Theater. <laughs> An audio commentary on Dogs and Humes. I can't, I can't unsee this, Joshua. I can't unsee it. Why did you make me do this? Because I love it, Ken. I'll show it to my dog, too. <laughs> he <laughs> likes it. I'm sure he does. There it is. Any other notes, my friend? That's it. Yeah. I am glad that we had took the chance, rather, to cover these movies. Because when people think of Category 3, they don't think of this stuff. I don't think they know it exists. Why not? The coverage is fun to do, and uh, these movies are in and out of your life pretty quickly. You know, I, I didn't ruin an entire Saturday of yours, I hope, by by me, ha- having you watch and make notes for stuff. So, there it is. Uh, as for availability, uh, Key to Fortune was put out by Joy Sales on DVD as part of their legendary collection range. Um, good-looking, letterbox, subtitle, but this is quite hard to get now, as these DVDs are not widely repressed. Um, you know, uh, some Joy Sales Legendary Collection DVDs you can still get. It seems like they're pressing some, but uh, this is not one. But uh, keep a lookout, and uh, I managed to get one uh, last year. So um, I was surprised it looked as good as it did, because this range normally ranges from quite horrible-looking, like, up-converted transfers. But uh, this one looked all right, uh, actually. Looks so. better than Jiggly Re- Revelation. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, all right, buddy. Next time, where we go into um, planning mode, as I'm not sure we're going for a special next time or a dedicated theme or two random ones in the Tidy Whitey Theater. But now that your schedule has opened up more, we might be able to produce a little bit more. And uh, well, what I'm thinking, and this is me uh, sort of proposing uh, this this suggestion for next episode, I'm thinking a Charlie Cho special featuring some recent performances. One in the Category 2 B-rated Wong Jing-produced Flirting in the Air, which I've heard good things about, at least his performance. It's very much a Charlie Cho performance, despite not being Category 3. So that's enough. It's Charlie, he's back, in that uh, lecturer's mode. And also the Category 3-rated movie Supermodels uh, finally came to DVD. I heard that was totally lame as a movie, but that Charlie owned the screen. <laughs> You know, playing the same old Charlie. So, are you in, my friend? Oh, yes. You know I am. <laughs> I mean, if if, if our friend uh, Jared approves of at least Charlie's performance, which he did. I think he took like 50 screenshots of it and posted on Facebook. There's enough there for us to sink our teeth into. Fucking right. Let's do it. Flirting in the air and supermodels next episode. Damn. So, yeah, that's us. This has been This Week in Sleaze, uh, like uh, secretly filmed <laughs> This Week in Sleaze, on location, watching the sleazy things that goes on, no, I don't know. But anyway, this has been This Week in Sleaze on the Podcast on Fire Network. We are on podcastonfire.com, along with bonus episodes every now and again. Flirting in the Air was conceived as a bonus episode initially, but since Supermodels has now come out, I think it's uh, time to do it as a main episode. 
So uh, check that site out. Uh, email us if you have any feedback, uh, good or bad, gigolo or not. <laughs> at <laughs> podcast on fire at googlemail.com. Describe uh, if you had a full Thai body massage or what that was like. If it was as crap as it looked, you can email us <laughs> and tell us. And uh, if you follow the links to our Facebook and um, if you check the buttons at the top of our page, you get uh, direct links to our Facebook and Twitter as well as our iTunes feed and our presence at Stitcher Radio for streaming purposes. And I review these kind of gigolo movies, among other things, on SoGoodReviews.com and my video hub is SleazyKVideo.com and my Twitter handle is at SoGoodReviews. Gonna start the hashtag, you know, <laughs> Jiggly Revolution, Revolution, Jiggly Revolution. <laughs> So uh, look for that. Hashtag Jenny Tatum. <laughs> <laughs> We're so making an impact. The most confusing, like jiggly revelation. It's not even English. And Shani, well, I like him. <laughs> uh, I'm free, you know. Like, so it, it's, uh, it, it, it's going to get the ball rolling that way. So uh, once they reach the 69th Jump Street, then, then we can catch him. Because they're clearly adding a number to them now. You know, yeah. it was 21, then it was 22. <laughs> They're on their way. I'm going to sit there patiently waiting. Oh, yeah, till we get 69. So there it is. And the shelflifeclothing.com for all your cool t-shirt needs. And uh, thank you to Brian for helping us out as always. And the trashy trio duo, depending Ooh. on how many people you rope in. Uh, no gigolo movies over there, but uh, what's an example of a fucked up movie that uh, you did a podcast on uh, Japanese and all what do you remember from your catalog the one that stands out would probably be White Rose Campus and then everybody gets raped now explain that that <laughs> sounded like a full movie title or a tagline it's a full movie title it's, it's what happens too it, it sounds poetic and beautiful and damn everybody gets raped <laughs> yep school bus full of you know girls good times Check out that review. That review, and that's the freedom of the podcasting world and community. You can review those things, you know, without without getting into trouble. It's not illegal stuff. It's just Japanese cinema. It's just Japanese <laughs> doing its thing. Was that a sixties, seventies, or eighties movie? I forgot now. Seventies, I believe. It could have been, it could have been early eighties. I forget. Things got progressively weirder in the eighties, so it was probably eighties. I think. And even shot on uh, film, or did they resort to video by that point? Oh no, film. Film all the way up till the end, basically. Because it sounds like it's typical AV stuff, that. But no, it was a proper film with proper context and commentary, kind of. Proper 60-minute runtime. <laughs> oh my god, it was short as well. Wow. Yeah, they always are. I mean, that sort of, then you don't, then you have the scenario in the title. If you're just going for 60 minutes, then what else do you need to do? You just gotta deliver what the audience expects and be done with it. Do you remember liking that movie, necessarily? I like it because of how outrageous it is. It's not like a, a movie where you're like, oh, this has a lot of substance to it and anything like that. It's not. It's just pure exploitation. And it's, it's funny because of how over the top it tries to be. You know? Right on. Well, well, we'll link directly to that episode so people can have a listen in and, and see your hear your take on it all. But for the moment, let's stop the fucking, pack up the hidden cameras, grab our Game Boys and leave for adventure, Joshua, into the world. I'm going to go swimming next. <laughs> Charlie Bra! <laughs> Charlie Bra! Or James Bra. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work as well. <laughs>